Chapter Twenty Eight of the Mystery of the Four Fingers. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Mystery of the Four Fingers by Fred M. White. Chapter Twenty Eight. Explanations. Night was beginning to fight with morning by the time that Venner returned to Merton Grange. There was no one to be seen. The house was in total darkness, so that Venner placed the motor in the stable and returned to his own rooms. On the whole, he was disposed to congratulate himself upon the result of his night's work. It mattered very little to himself or anybody else what became of Fenwick, now that he was once out of the way. He was never likely to trouble them again, and as far as Venner could see, he was now in a position openly to claim his wife before all the world. Despite his feeling of happiness, Venner slept but badly, and a little after ten o'clock the next morning found him back at Merton Grange. Evors greeted him cordially, with the information that he alone was up as yet, and that the others had doubtless taken advantage of the opportunity to get a good night's rest. "'And you will see, my dear fellow,' he said, "'how necessary such a thing is. Goodness knows how long it is since I went to bed with my mind absolutely at rest. The same remark applies with equal force to Miss Le Fenu, ah, I mean your wife.' "'I can quite understand that,' Venner said. "'It has been much the same with me.' though I must confess that I was so happy last night that I could not sleep at all. By the way, have you any information as to your father's movements? He probably knows by this time that his house has been given over to a gang of swindlers. He does, Evor said. I have had a telegram from him this morning to say that he will be home some time in the course of the day, and, to tell the truth, I am looking forward with some dread to meeting my father. But I think I shall be able to convince him now that I am in earnest— and that I am anxious to settle down in the old place, and take my share in the working of the estate. When my father sees Beth and knows her story, I am sanguine that he will give us a welcome, and that my adventures will be over. I want him to meet Beth down here, and last night after you had gone, and we were talking matters over, Vera promised to go up to town to-day and fetch her sister. By the way, what has become of your friend? Gurdon, I think his name is? I mean the fellow who very nearly lost his life, the night he fell down the cellar trap, and found himself landed in the house in Portsmouth Square. "'Oh, Gurdon's all right,' Venner laughed. "'I hope you will have the chance of making his acquaintance in the course of the day. You seem to have been in Charles Le Fenu's confidence for some time. Tell me, why all that mystery about the house in Portsmouth Square? Of course, I don't mean Le Fenu's reason for calling himself Bates, and all that kind of thing, because that was perfectly obvious.' Under the name of Bates, he was lying low and maturing his plans for crushing Fenwick. As a matter of fact, Fenwick was almost too much for him. Indeed, he would have been if Gurdon and myself had not interfered and given both of you a chance to escape. It was a very neat idea of Fenwick's to kidnap a man and keep him a prisoner in his own house. Yes, Evor said, and he used his own house for illegal purposes. But before I answer your question, let me ask you one. Why was Gurdon prowling about Portsmouth Square that night? "'That is quite easily explained,' Venner replied. "'I sent him. To go back to the beginning of things, I have to revert to the night when I first saw Mark Fenwick at the Great Empire Hotel, posing as a millionaire, and having for company a girl who passed as his daughter. Seeing that this pseudo-Miss Fenwick was my own wife, you can imagine how interested I was. She has already told in your hearing the reason why she left me on our wedding day, and if I am satisfied with those reasons, it is nothing to do with anybody.' As a matter of fact, I am satisfied with them, and there is no more to be said. But when I ran against Vera again at the hotel, I knew nothing of past events, 
and I made an effort to find out the cause of her apparently strange conduct. In a way, she was fighting against me. She would tell me nothing, and I had to find out everything for myself. On the night in question, I sent Gurdon to Portsmouth Square, and he had the misfortune to betray himself. It nearly ended in his death, Evor said soberly. Charles Le Fenu was very bitter just about that time. You can quite understand how it was that he mistook Gurdon for one of Fenwick's spies. But why did he go there? He followed my wife, and there you have the simple explanation of the whole thing. But you have not yet told me why those two or three rooms were furnished in the empty house. Who told you about that? Evors asked. What a chap you are to ask questions. We got into the empty house after the so-called Bates was supposed to have been kidnapped, and to our surprise we found that all that fine furniture had vanished. There was no litter of straw or sign of removal outside, so we came to the conclusion that it had been conveyed from one house to the other. After a good deal of trouble, we lit upon a movable panel, and by means of it entered the house where you and Le Fenu were practically prisoners. We were on the premises when you managed to get the better of that man in the carpet slippers and his companion. We heard all that took place in the drawing-room between Fenwick and Beth and Le Fenu. In fact, we aided and abetted in getting the police into the house. You will recollect how cleverly Le Fenu managed the rest, and how he and you got away from the house without causing any scandal. That was very smartly done. But come, are you going to tell me the story of the empty house, and why it was partly furnished? I think I can come to that now, Evor said. The whole thing was born in the ingenious brain of Felix Zary. He was going to lay some sort of trap for Fenwick, but we shall never know what it was now, because fate has disposed of Fenwick in some other way. Now, won't you sit down and have some breakfast with me? At the same moment Vera came in. Familiar as her features were, and well as Venner knew her, there was a brightness and sweetness about her now that he had never noticed before. The cloud seemed to have lifted from her face. Her eyes were no longer sad and somber. They were beaming with happiness. "'I am so glad you have come,' she said. "'We want you to know all that happened last night after you had gone.' Venner explained that he knew pretty well all that had taken place, as he had been having it all out with Evors. What he wanted now was to get Vera to himself, and presently he had his way. "'We are going for a long walk,' he said, "'where I have something serious to say to you. Now that you have no longer any troubles on your shoulders, I can be very firm with you.' "'Not just yet.' Vera laughed. Later on you can be as firm as you like. And we are not going for a long walk, either. We shall just have time to get to the station and catch the 11.15 to Victoria. I am going up to London today to bring Beth down here. I think the change will do her good. Of course, we can't remain in the house, so I have taken rooms for the three of us at a farm close by. When Beth has had everything explained to her and knows that the man she loves is free, you will see a change for the better in the poor child. There is nothing really the matter with her mind, and when she realizes her happiness, she will soon be as well as any of us. You will come with me to London, Gerald? My dearest girl, of course I will, Venner said. I will do anything you like. Let us get these things pushed through as speedily as possible, so that we can start on our honeymoon, which has been delayed for a trifling matter of three years, and you cannot say that I have been unduly impatient. Vera raised herself on her toes and threw her arms round her husband's neck. She kissed him twice. There were tears in her eyes, but there was nothing but happiness behind the tears, as Venner did not fail to notice. "'You have been more than good,' she whispered. "'Ah, if you only knew how I have missed you, how terrified I was, lest you should take me at my word and abandon me to my fate, as you had every right to do. 
and yet, all the time, I had a curious feeling that you trusted me, though I dared not communicate with you and tell you where you could send me so much as a single line. I was fearful lest a passionate appeal from you should turn me from my purpose. You see, I had pledged myself to fight the battle for Beth and her lover, and for the best part of three years I did so. And the strangest part of it all is that you, my husband, from whom I concealed everything, should be the very one who eventually struck straight to the heart of the mystery. Yes, that is all right enough, Venner smiled. But why could you not have confided in me in the first instance? Do you think that I should have refused to throw myself heart and soul into the affair and do my best to help those who were dear to you? I suppose I lost my head, Vera murmured. But do not let us waste too much time regretting the last three years, and do not let us waste too much time at all, or we shall lose our train. That is bringing one back to earth with a vengeance, Venner laughed. But come along, and let us get all the business over, and we can look eagerly forward to the pleasure of afterwards. It was all done at length. The long explanation was made in the West End doctor's drawing-room, and at length Beth seemed to understand the complicated story that was told her. She listened very carefully. Her questions were well chosen. Then she flung herself face downwards on the couch where she was seated, and burst into a passion of weeping. Vera held her head tenderly, and made a sign to Venner that he should leave them together. "'This is the best thing that could happen,' she whispered. "'If you will come back in an hour's time, you will see an entirely different girl. Don't speak to her now.' It was exactly as Vera had predicted, for when Venner returned presently to the drawing-room, he found a bright, alert little figure, clad in furs and eager for her journey. She danced across the room to Venner, and held up her lips for him to kiss them. "'I understand everything now,' she cried. "'Vera has told me absolutely everything. How good and noble it was of her to sacrifice her happiness for the sake of Charles and myself, and how wicked I must have been ever to think that Charles could have been guilty of that dreadful crime. Ever since then there has been a kind of cloud over my mind, a certain sense of oppression that made everything dim before my eyes. I could not feel, I could not even shed a tear. I seemed to be all numb and frozen, and when the tears came just now, all the ice melted away, and I became myself again. Don't you think I look quite different? I think you look as if you would be all the better, for a lot of care and fussing, Venner said. You want to go to some warm spot and be petted like a child. Now let us go and say good-bye to these good friends of yours, and get down to Canterbury. There is somebody waiting for you there, who will bring back the roses to your pale cheeks a great deal better than I can. "'Isn't Mr. Gurdon coming with us?' Vera asked. "'He can't,' Venner explained. "'I've just been telephoning to him, and he says that he can't come down till the last train. He will just look in presently after dinner. He is sharing my rooms with me. But hadn't we better get along?' Canterbury was reached at length, and then Merton Grange, where Lefinu and Evors were waiting in the portico. Lord Merton had not yet arrived. Indeed, Evors explained that it was very uncertain whether he would get there that night or not. "'Not that it makes any difference,' he said eagerly. "'Of course you will all dine with me. For my part, I can't see why you shouldn't stay here altogether.' "'What?' Vera cried. "'Without a chaperone?' "'I like that,' Le Fenu exclaimed. "'What do you call yourself? Have you so soon forgotten the fact that you are a staid married woman? What do you think of that, Venner?' Vera laughed and blushed softly. She was not thinking so much now of her own happiness as of the expression of joy and delight on the face of her sister. 
Beth had hung back a little shyly from Evors as they crossed the hall, and he, in his turn, was constrained and awkward. Very cleverly, Vera managed to detach her husband and her brother from the others. "'Let them go into the dining-room,' she whispered. "'It doesn't matter what becomes of us.' "'But is she really equal to the excitement of it?' Le Fenu asked anxiously. "'She must have had an exceedingly trying day.' "'I am quite sure that she is perfectly safe,' Vera said. "'Of course she was terribly excited and upset at first, but she was quite calm and rational all the way down, as Gerald will tell you. All Beth wants now is quiet and change, and to feel that her troubles are over. Let's go and have tea in that grand old hall. If the others don't care to come in to tea, we will try not to be offended.' The others did not come in to tea. Neither were they seen till it was nearly time to dress for dinner. Assuredly, Vera had proved a true prophet for Beth's shy, quiet air of happiness indicated that she had suffered nothing through the events of the day. It was a very quiet meal they had later on, but none the less pleasant for that. Dinner had come to an end, and the cigarettes were on the table before Gurdon appeared. He carried a copy of an evening paper in his hand, and despite his usual air of calmness and indifference, there was just the suspicion of excitement about him that caused Venner to stand up and reach for the paper. "'You have news there for us, I am sure,' he said. "'I think we are all in a position to stand anything you like to tell us.' "'You have guessed it correctly,' Gurdon said. "'It is all here in the Evening Herald.' "'What is all there?' Le Fenu demanded. "'Can't you guess?' Gurdon asked. "'I see you can't. It is the dramatic conclusion, the only conclusion of the story. Our late antagonist, Fenwick, has committed suicide.' End of chapter 28